This episode contains adult content and is not suitable for young listeners. Every now and then, someone proposes a podcast subject matter that gives me pause for thought. Is it too divisive? Too controversial? Can I do it justice? Or is it something I just don't want to mess with? I went through this process before deciding to do my episode on the controversial Westboro Baptist Church, as well as my more recent episodes on exorcism, although due to very different concerns. And it's a process I've been going through again since early this year. Someone suggested I cover the business of sex. It's a moral, legal, and ethical minefield. But the reason I decided to proceed was because the perspectives being offered were from women doing this work. My discussions with these women were eye-opening. I learned things I never knew, and other things that are utterly bizarre. Over the next two episodes, I hope you'll listen to these stories. Regardless of your own perspectives, these women have remarkable stories to share. In this episode, I speak with Kiki Smith, not her real name. But she is a stay-at-home mom, a married woman who makes quite a lucrative living posting as KS Wifey on sites including OnlyFans, ManyVids, and even her own domain, kswifey.com. So thank you for joining me. And, you know, it's a little unusual to be doing an interview with someone anonymously. You know, you're going by the name Kiki Smith, which... I understand, obviously, you have concerns with privacy and safety and so forth, so it's completely understandable. But how did you get involved in this business? And also, being based here in Kansas City, I have to ask, the name K.S. Wifey, are you from Kansas? Hi, Dan. (laughs) It is a pleasure to be on your podcast. This is actually my first one, so... Thank you. Hopefully, I uh, I don't disappoint. <laughs> so I'm KS Wifey, and no, I'm not from Kansas. I kind of get that here and there um, from people, which I can understand. But I'm actually Kiki Smith. It's always interesting when I get asked if I'm from Kansas. Um, I am not. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with Kansas, though. To answer your question, though, you know, it all kind of started due to a financial strain, a situation that led to some creative measures, (laughs) which landed me on a site where I could, well, you know, sell my panties (laughs) and thongs, a couple socks here and there. (laughs) It actually all started off fairly simple. I was just wearing and sending out and, you know, quite easy for the most part. (laughs) However, as more time passed, I kind of realized if I wanted to succeed further, I had to step up my game. (laughs) So that's when I added photo sets of me wearing the actual item that was purchased or just photo sets in general. And that's when videos started as well. I eventually, over time, had been asked to start sending videos of me actually 
wearing, you know, the panty or the thong or the socks. <laughs> really, <laughs> in many ways, the rest is, you know, as they say, history. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely progressed <laughs> a lot from where I started. How has your work in this field affected your relationship with your husband? Hmm. It's a good question. I would say that in many ways, you know, it kind of brought us closer together. It's been something that has allowed us both to be more open and comfortable with things that um, most couples would actually be embarrassed by or it would be, you know, taboo to talk about it. <laughs> and then doing it, you know, usually was just left, you know, to fantasy for most, right? For us, it just kind of allowed us to have fun with it. I get to run ideas past him, you know, kind of get a more holistic perspective on things that I create in some ways, even though I'm creating for my audience. He's kind of <laughs> a part of my audience and he gets to enjoy it. <laughs> Sometimes he he gets to watch. Not always. Sometimes it's easier for me to just do what I need to do <laughs> on my own. But he definitely gets to, uh, what do they say, reap the rewards <laughs> of this. So I would say that all in all, it's been a very positive experience for the both of us. Aside from, obviously, the content, there's a technical aspect to this too, in terms of how you write and produce the content. What have you learned as you've gone along in terms of producing the content? It all started with an iPhone. No, <laughs> but it's true. It all started with an iPhone. At the beginning, it was just me creating a selfie video as some time went on and I had to be more creative with my work, I ended up getting a Canon camera uh, specifically for filming. It had a flip panel display, which was so helpful because it allowed me to be able to see myself while I was creating away. And well, for your audience who may not be aware, I'm an anonymous creator. I don't show my full face, um, just below my nose, unless I'm wearing a blindfold or something like that. There are some videos out there <laughs> where my whole face is in view without actually exposed. So having the flip handle was just huge, game-changing. You know, it took some time to get used to a little bit. And there was a lot of starting and stopping and redoing and going over. And this is where eventually <laughs> I learned some more things and, um, you know, started editing things. So I didn't necessarily have to start from the beginning. <laughs> At the beginning, a lot of time went into the videos. Not to say that a lot of time doesn't go into it now, but it was a lot of time. <laughs> before. So I used that camera for a while 
I eventually brought in an external microphone, a Yeti, all these products that I just never knew about in life. It's pretty cool. (laughs) But yeah, that was also huge because it brought higher quality audio to my productions. It's definitely like night and day sound compared to what it became with the Yeti. So yeah, it's just kind of funny just to look back and think on how it all evolved and all the stages and the time and the years with uh, each product before entering something new. Eventually, I um, invested in a 4K camera that I believe (laughs) creates um, beautiful HDR footage. That's also been um, game-changing as well. (laughs) I can be a little shy. You might not realize it for my productions, but it's just me and a camera then. (laughs) I had learned over time that my voice is popular. I never really paid attention to my voice. (laughs) And so in regards to that, yeah, I just was kind of told that my productions had an ASMR-esque sound. I eventually went from the Yeti to a binaural microphone. If I didn't give it away at the beginning of the question, <laughs> I'm an Apple girl. So I use a MacBook Pro along with Final Cut Pro. Sometimes you just have to go with that product that is easy to teach yourself. So, <laughs> Who are the people who buy your material? Like, what are your core fans? I would say all types, really, from all over the world. Though, I suppose geographically more the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Single guys to married men to women (laughs) and even couples. I've created for them all. (laughs) In many ways, it's kind of hard to give a, a specific type. I've really created to them all. People enjoy my body, <laughs> my voice, my imagination, and really my ability to weave a fantasy story together in a way that, you know, feels believable. I like to look at myself uh, as an actress who plays different characters in different movies, and it brings people back for more. I think a lot of my core fans are those who are tired and want more than the usual content that's freely available on the web. And that's not speaking anything bad about any of it. Just want to get that out there. Just kind of basing it upon my particular uh, fans couldn't even count, honestly, at this point, how many times uh, people have messaged me saying that my content was the first content they ever paid for, which honestly is quite flattering. There's so much free content out there, and I feel truly grateful that there are people out there that are willing to spend their hard-earned money on me. I don't want anybody to spend their important money for bills, um, food, gas, you know, mortgage. I'm not not ever wanting to put anybody in a worse position. In many ways, it's kind of like 
the fuck you money, you know, the money that, you know, you can do whatever you want with the chore money, you know, <laughs> the, the holiday money that you're given. But in general, I'm just beyond grateful for the fans that, you know, actually want to help contribute to my situation. <laughs> and by the way, to any of those fans who are listening and have supported me in my erotic art, thank you. I do appreciate you more than you will ever know. What do you most enjoy about producing this kind of content? I would have to say that what I enjoy most is kind of being able to escape my own life. (laughs) And not in a bad way. For those of your listeners who don't know, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, (laughs) I'm a woman who does it all. (laughs) Getting to escape into somebody else's fantasy and provide or would hope to provide (laughs) immense enjoyment and satisfaction is uh, probably what I like most about creating. You know, in life, there's like music people and then there's like movie people. Not to say that movie people don't like music, but if I could have the sound of a movie playing in the background or even TV, end up choosing that over music. Because in some ways, I can escape easier through movies or a TV show. Music sometimes kind of can bring you back into your own reality or your past, I guess, to be honest. I love just getting lost in a story too. I would say that while I do get, let's just say, a rough outline um, in regards to what someone is looking for, I will take that and make it into something that makes sense. You know, some fantasies or situations that someone wants might not be realistic. And so I'll take something like that and try to figure out a way to where it could happen in real life or, you know, it is realistic and not something that is too off the wall. I feel like those types of videos, you can find them anywhere. I guess for myself, I kind of like to create something that someone can really truly put themselves into and realize that it could actually happen. (laughs) So it all kind of serves as a creative challenge. It's why I look at myself not just as an actress, but also an artist. I'm creating something that I'm really pouring myself into and not just something that, you know, I'm just doing. (laughs) I like to create realistic scenarios that that could really happen. (laughs) My aim isn't to create something that feels like a comedy or a spoof on this or that, but rather to feel like something your neighbors or friends might be doing in the privacy of their bedroom or a hotel room across town. Something that you can just escape to. So again, you are mostly doing this as an individual. So there's a lot of role-playing scenarios. Which characters do you typically play in the shows? Like my fans, 
all types. <laughs> you know, anywhere from the wife, the girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend, the teacher, the student, the stepmom, which is wildly popular, by the way, <laughs> um, stepsister, mistress, which is also um, another <laughs> wildly popular um, one, <laughs> um, cheerleader, the submissive, doctor, patient, mom's best friend. Sure, there's more. Um, <laughs> those are definitely the ones that kind of pop into my head. I suppose out of all of those, if I had to pick out the top three, I would go for the mistress, <laughs> the stepmom, and the wife, but not just any wife. The type who is cheating on her husband or the type who is sleeping with another man and her husband knows about it. All so bad <laughs> and naughty. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would say those, those three. <laughs> so on your website, you solicit clients to offer creative ideas for content they'd like to see. How do you balance suggestions from viewers with your own creative ideas in terms of creating content? Well, it's a balance for sure. You know, the phrase, uh, time is money. It's uh, just as true with content creation as it is really with anything in life. Being a mom with another little one, someone that's obviously dependent upon me for their whole <laughs> well-being in life right now, you know, my time is even more limited. I have to be sure I really invest in it wisely. I used to kind of do or take on everything and anything. And as time has gone on, I've had to become a little bit more selective. I need to pick things that I do actually think other people will want to buy. And in total, it kind of makes it well worth it. As time has gone on, I've kind of had to change how I do things and readjust. I've put in a lot of time. It's kind of now allowed me, you know, to be able to kind of follow some of my own ideas and be a little bit more selective. It definitely was not always the case. So <laughs> hard work pays off. <laughs> but I kind of mentioned before in an earlier uh, question that, you know, I definitely like to make things more realistic. I might go back and forth with someone in regards to, you know, the wants of what they would like to see in there and then kind of create a story from that if their initial request kind of, you know, didn't seem as realistic, I guess, I suppose, to me <laughs> to be able to create. So, but yeah, with my library, um, so much of what I've created is bought again and again and again by others. So it's been fun what was a custom dream, you know, for you is now for someone else to enjoy. And that I think is also pretty special. So we're all just here sharing our fantasy, <laughs> being naughty in life together. <laughs> Whenever you put anything out on the internet, you're exposing yourself to all kinds of people from all around the world. And there are going to be good people and bad people. And inevitably there's going to be a few weirdos and creeps who pop up in there. Have you had any bad experiences whilst doing this kind of work? For the most part, no. 
I would say I've been very fortunate as I learned my way quite quickly. I think first starting um, with selling panties allowed me to um, see and understand, you know, all the different types of people out there and how I needed to guard certain things. World, um, is a scary place out there. <laughs> I laugh, but it's true. It is, and it's unfortunate. The best thing that I can do for myself and my family, you know, is just to be cautious in the end. So I would say that those who are closest to me are wonderful men. Of course, they are naughty. <laughs> but, I mean, not only are they generous, they have such kind hearts. And I kind of feel like in some way, I've made friends with a good handful of uh, of some of the men out there. It's been kind of nice, to be honest. It also kind of makes some of this feel a little bit real on like a different level as well. I guess more personal in a sense. As I mentioned before, I learned some things earlier on and I make it a point to be very clear as to what something is about and what it's not about. You know, there's no leading on, no unspoken expectations. I keep it real, I guess you could say. You know, my fans know that I'm not doing what I do because I'm lonely or in a terrible marriage, depressed or desperate. I'm not, I guess you could say, looking to be saved. I definitely like my little family, so... (laughs) I have a good life. A lot of it, I would say, is because of what I do with my online fantasy world. It at least just kind of, like I said, I started this as a way to make financial troubles go away. And also kids and everything, I want to be able to, I don't know, help them in some way, some form for the future. So I wasn't given any of that. And It's just something that I'd like to kind of be able to do for them. So it's just, you know, you know, life is, life is life. There's a lot of things in life. Um, (laughs) Just doing the best I can in this world and putting in time to, I guess you could say, make life better. (laughs) What's funny, it's no different than the real world, but because I'm not at this point in time desperate for a sale or to try and talk someone into buying, you know, this video or that, you know, I don't have to sweet talk, do the baby or, you know, whatever someone into buying something from me. You know, I'm very, very proud of my art, my words, my teaser videos. I guess at this point, I kind of have this mentality of if you want to buy it, great. (laughs) If not, that's fine too. I'm not going to pressure anybody. I'm not going to be pressured by anybody. (laughs) I kind of think where people get into trouble is when they build on this fantasy relationship, you know, that dollars will lead to. And it's just not something that I do. I make it clear. I only have so much time, you know, in a day, in a week, in a month. (laughs) I don't have time to be somebody's pretend something or another just to make a sale. What I will say are those who can be, you know, the sweetest or nicest they can go cold in a moment. The moment something doesn't go their way or they feel insulted. Again, I've tried really hard to make people happy 
and not regret investing their money in me. It really does go to a good cause, despite the naughty, <laughs> the naughtiness of it all. I think with anything, if there are any content creators listening, it's no different than real life. And that if you see red flags, don't ignore them. <laughs> it is your gut, your instincts. It's telling you something. So listen, listen to it. As my friend uh, once said, not all money is good money. I definitely use the black button quite often. <laughs> In the end, like I said, have to keep my and myself and my family safe. So you use sites such as like OnlyFans, but in terms of how that works, what kinds of expenses and logistics are involved in using these sites? So on many vids, they currently pay out at 60% per video sale, though they pay out 80% for store item purchase or a tip or a custom video sale. So those are good ones to get. <laughs> um, I'm also on OnlyFans. I personally don't charge the cover charge that most people do charge to enter. You know, like you, I enjoy the freedom to step into a place and then determine for myself if I want to stick around and drink without having the guilt <laughs> of knowing I paid $5, $10, $20, you know whatever the cover charge was, right? But yeah, all purchases on OnlyFans pay out at 80%, which is really nice. <laughs> really, really nice. I'm also on, I want clips and clips for sale. They both pay out at 60% for direct video sales and AP clips, which is a new site I recently joined. They pay out at 70%. And they have a tiered structure that if you make enough in a pay period, you can get up to 80%. So the last one that I'm on is Fansly. So they really took off with the whole OnlyFans scare. You know, when they came out saying they weren't going to allow adult content, obviously that didn't go over very well. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm on Fansly and they pay out at 80%. So yeah, that's really the details of it probably more than any of your audience wanted to know, of course. <laughs> Given the costs and logistics involved, have you thought about just doing your own website and cutting out the middleman, as it were? I actually do have my own site. It is kswifey.com. Currently, though, I use it to help show all my fans where to find me on my platforms. Sadly, I uh, do not offer direct video sales. The main reason is that a lot of payment processors, they frown <laughs> on adult purchases, which I find quite silly, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, in a world where a person can buy just about anything to be told you can't buy a naughty video. Anyways, I just haven't gone that route. And uh, I've been totally grateful for the platforms that I am on today, but maybe one day right? But one thing I will say, and one of my special fans from Portugal, he helped build my video search, which I think is so amazing and so helpful to everyone else to be able to use. So thank you. <laughs> Basically, um, how it works is a person goes to my site, kswifey.com, clicks video search, 
And then they can see my entire library with links to all the various platforms to then buy the video. But it's really the filtering that is fun. Let's say a person wants to see me as a redhead, a coworker wearing thigh highs and using, you know, my Lilo toy. <laughs> you know, you can search on that and the videos that have all those filters incorporated will show up. I just think it's brilliant, to be honest. I find sometimes finding what it is you want in life can be hard. So I created this, obviously, with the help of my dear Portugal friend. And, you know, it just helps make finding what I've made even easier. And yeah, it's just pretty cool, to be honest. So I really appreciate you opening up to me about your story and giving insight into this topic for the first time on a podcast. So thank you. And for the listeners, there were some topics that we discussed on this interview that due to considerations about some of the platforms it broadcasts on, as well as the listenership, that I wasn't able to include. However, coming soon in the next month, if you go to Patreon and look for fascinating people, fascinating places, you will be able to hear that unedited content, as well as content that I had to cut with similar concerns from other somewhat controversial episodes, such as my discussions with the Black Panthers, the Westboro Baptists, and even the Exorcists. There'll also be their other material from interviews that for one reason or another, I wasn't able to include on the podcast. So again, check that out starting in August. Patreon, fascinating people, fascinating places. As far as this discussion goes, in the second part, I'll be talking to two women who are also involved in this business, though in a way that is much more controversial, more dangerous, and in most of the United States, illegal. Well, I've always wanted to be a courtesan ever since I was a little girl. I've always smoked drugs with a deer, and I kid you not, that's not a joke. With a deer? Yes, it was out in the parking lot. Like an animal? Mm, with the horns, yes. I wish half the stuff I could make up, but no. I had a client ask me to pretend to be his 13-year-old niece. And then in August, I tackle the Cambodian Khmer Rouge, the war in Vietnam, and first of all, Pinochet's Chile. On the 2nd of May, 1973, the Chilean national football team took on Peru in a crucial World Cup qualifier at the Estadio Nacional in Santiago. Victory, coupled with success in a subsequent playoff, meant that only the Soviet Union stood between Chile and a place at the World Cup Finals. That game against a nation whose government had friendly ties with Chilean President Allende would take place in November at the same venue. But Chileans would come to remember 1973 for more important reasons than football. Powerful figures had been plotting against the democratically elected Allende for two years, both at home and in Washington DC at the White House. I would go to a confrontation with him the quicker the better. We're not going to put anything openly on. We're going to put behind the scenes. You're going to kick the hell out of Chilean. The Chilean football team did qualify for the World Cup, but only because their opponents from the USSR forfeited the match in protest at the CIA-backed military coup that saw President Allende killed and thousands imprisoned 
tortured or killed in the very stadium that was due to hold the match. In this episode, I speak with Professor Kristin Sorensen, an expert on global studies, whose specialties include Chile, about the notorious regime of General Augusto Pinochet and the devastating and lasting impact it has had on the lives of ordinary Chileans. 